Thank you. Welcome, everyone. I'm Alice, married to Chris, and we're the pastors here. And we're coming to the end of a, a series on a word that we feel God's given us. Um, can anyone remember the four eyes? Can you say it a bit louder? Invest. Increase. Intercede. Very good. Fantastic. That's brilliant. And I'm looking at increase today. Some secrets that Jesus gave um, on the keys to fruitfulness. And I'm looking at a passage that he spoke he shared with his closest followers pretty much within, certainly within 24 hours, possibly 12 to 24 hours before his crucifixion. So in a sense, it's his, it's his mandate. Okay, this, I've been incredibly fruitful. There were times in his season of popularity where like 20,000 people were sort of trampling to be close to him because he, that, that magnetism of goodness and love just emanated out of him. So he, he had, he lived a fruitful life, which still bears fruit around the world today. And he kind of gives this keys to fruitfulness. So we're going to look, um, at the idea of increase. What does Jesus say? And there's so much about fruitfulness. It's akin to holiness in scripture. If you can define whether something's clean by whether it's fruitful, because there's an abundant, prolific nature to the way God works. But we're going to specifically look at this passage in John 15. So the first thing is a mindset change that we're, we need to come into alignment, that we are designed to be fruitful. I think sometimes we think some people might be some of the time, or one person is, or I am but not them. But the mindset is, in Christ we're all designed to be fruitful. That's the reality one of the biggest questions we come up in our life is, what is actually real? That's, that, that changes everything, doesn't it? Is, is withholding and stinginess real? Or is generosity and hospitality real? So many things like that. And what is actually real is fruitfulness. It's a lie or a deception when we don't bear fruit. That's not God's design and everything like that will pass away. So we come into that alignment. We're designed to be fruitful. And we'll look at this beautiful passage in John 15, as I said, just when he's, he's left um, the last Passover meal with his friends and he's walking to a, a place that he goes to often with his closest friends to pray. And on the way, he walks through a vineyard and he uses uh, the image of a vine to um, communicate a message about fruitfulness. And then the second part, will it, it, on the second lot, in a sense, he unpacks it again using straight, non-parable language. So we start with the image of the vine, and then he, he goes straight to explaining it again. So the two slides, in a sense, the second is reiterating the first without the image of the vine. I am the true vine. Wow, you could spend a sermon on that. I am, he was identifying himself as Yahweh, the messianic one who would come. For that, he was about to be crucified on the grounds of blasphemy. There are seven I am's in John. And that's the completion and the fulfillment of the word has, has become flesh. The true vine, 
So there are many ways to live, but there's one that's real. Remember, we're learning truth and reality are the same ideas in, in, in the Old and New Testament. So whenever you read the word true, think real. I am the real vine, the one that actually bears fruit. And my father is the gardener, and we've learnt today, we've been resting in him now probably for a generation across the church, is an incredible goodness and kindness. He's a very good gardener. Um, uh, we, when we were got married, we were given a vine. Actually, we actually chose this for our wedding talk. It's a lovely, beautiful image. And we were given a vine. And Chris, as you know, is extremely green, green fingered. And I feel I get a lot of credit. People are like, wow, you're so green fingered. I'm like, this whole like one thing works really well. Like, I'm not. <laughs> but he is. So everything he touches kind of grows. He's, he's brilliant. And he, we had this vine and he was reading up on pruning and it was growing really well. It looked really leafy and really strong. And uh, potentially after the first or second year, I have to ask him, can't remember the exact time, but it's quite soon and it's looking really good and green. He literally had to cut it right back to the stump. I was so shocked and saddened. And he was so kind and gentle in the way he did it because he's really good like that. Chris is really, really kind with plants. But that's what had to happen. And then over the years, that that really strengthens the root system and gives it the capacity to carry the grapes above the surface. So that that kind of makes sense of this section here. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. Just a little attention there. He cuts off. That's actually not a very helpful translation. Um, It's actually... uh, the Greek word is iro, it's like the Lamb of God takes up or bears the sins of the world or carries. So actually if you imagine you have a vineyard, you have a vine and there's a branch trailing in the soil, in the mud, a good gardener wouldn't just cut it off, a good gardener would raise it up and lift it up and, and, and kind of connect it in with the rest of the vine. I'll come back to the symbolism there. So, so just think, it's never used in a negative way, that phrase in the whole of the New Testament. I don't know why it's translated a bit unusually here, but it's more he takes up, he carries, he bears up every branch in me that bears no fruit. So the areas in our lives which are fruitless, he does something specific with. And then the areas which are, do bear fruit, he does something else with, which we'll come to in a minute, to make us even more fruitful. So this is his vision, he sees us and he sees fruit. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Again, we'll come to that, but the liberating word of God always releases healing and wholeness and restoration in the word. We've been looking at the word of God a lot this morning. So when we hear him, he, we, we become more clean in that hearing. If we're not becoming more clean, if shame or guilt or disappointment or fear are coming in, that's not his voice. His voice can only bring us into the position of being clean. And that is the way we're designed to speak to one another as well, to bring words of love and life and transaction which release um, goodness into the other person. Remain in me or abide in me, rest in me, as I also remain in you. And just a little one on that, we'll look at you individually. We're individually designed to bear fruit as a hope, as a church, as a community in Christ. We're designed to bear fruit as a church in this city, as a church in the nation and a church in the world. The Father is able to be a vine dresser at every level. So don't don't just think individually or corporately, think both, multiple levels when you hear him asking us to remain in him as individuals, as a community 
and as a global movement of followers of Jesus. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me, simply because he's real. It, we're, in reality, we bear fruit. If, if there are fruitless areas in our lives, we're in a lie, and that can't, and that's fruitless, and that's how we can tell. I'm the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me, my words remain in you. Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciples. And then he unpacks it in a sense. That's the parable, the imagery of this, of treating a vine and then he kind of says the same thing again, but it very much more directly in what it looks like in our actual lives. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. So it's, it's, um, I'm beginning to realize that reality, you can tell whether something's real because it's mediated through the sacrificial love of God, through the agape love of God. If it's not mediated through that, it's not actually real. However compelling or seductive or powerful it appears, it is insubstantial and passing away. Whether it's clever or simple, whether it's funny or serious, it doesn't really matter what it is if it's not mediated through the sacrificial love of God, the fierce, furious, powerful love of God, then it's not real or true. And so the vine, if you like, it's all about being in him, in love, and being able to minister that to other people. If you keep my commands... You will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. So there's this just um, this sort of breakthrough moment he desires for us when we're thinking of what is fruit, what does it mean to be fruitful. I think it's Christ-like. So it's firstly being like Christ, like in our lives actually when when we're pushed and we're under stress and we're under pressure, our deep just wells of love come out or humility or self-control. And I think that was great, this idea of, of who we are and mission just coming into alignment. And as that happens, people around us want that and become and grow in it too. So fruit of other people becoming whole and healed and restored in Christ. So it's Christ-likeness on the earth, in us and through us, in others. That's fruit. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I've made known to you. You didn't choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command, love each other. Just so beautiful and so helpful. So we're going to look at um, four A's. Apologies. Um, The first one is allowing. So... This is where we allow God to deal with us. And there are two reasons he may deal with us. One is because there are actually patterns in our life where we're in the soil and we're actually soiled and unclean and we need lifting up and cleansing 
and putting back into the vine. We need to allow him to deal with that. The way we know whether something is not working in our life is that we bet he lets us bear the weight of the consequences of it and it simply just doesn't work. Um, it's a way of life that doesn't work. After consideration, reflection, we go, that's not working, that area of my life or that approach or the way I'm thinking about that. And so that's where we literally just need to allow him to lift us up, move the soil and put us back in the vine. That's a repentance, a change of mindset. And it says his kindness brings us to that because he cares, he wants us to be fruitful. He doesn't want us to live our lives in the mud. He wants us to be raised up and fruitful. And then there's another kind of suffering in the Bible. So there's a suffering for bearing the weight of the consequences of a misaligned life. But there's also a suffering because we're following Christ and, and we start to enter into a war zone. We start to be fruitful and the enemy hates fruit and so on. And there's, and, and there's, um, God, God comes in and, and he brings a pruning for greater fruitfulness. So one of them is, is submitting to the reality that an area in our life just isn't fruitful and we need to change a lifestyle or a habit or a way of thinking. And another one is it is fruitful and almost this is the, the harder or the more offensive way or the, the, the one that requires almost more trust and faith in the process is there is fruit, but he wants more greater fruitfulness. Um, really extraordinary. All our children, all the children in Bristol a few years ago, primary school children, were given an apple tree or a pear tree. I don't know if anyone else remembers that. And we, so Jemima and Benj were at school and they were given an apple tree and they brought them home. They had one each in our, in our garden. It's quite small. Um, there was no real difference between them. They're in slightly different places in the gardens. They might have access to slightly different soil or sunlight or rain. But, but basically they've had a similar growth season over the last few years. And Benj is absolutely covered in apples, covered in fruit, like on all the branches. And Jemima's has no apples on it at all. It's not a predestination thing. <laughs> it is simply, Chris happened to make a throwaway comment the other day, a few weeks ago. He said, oh yeah, dad, my, his father has, has an orchard and he's learned all about pruning apples. And he said, yeah, my father um, taught me how to prune, so I pruned Benj's. It was, I was like, wow, I had, I knew a bit about pruning from our journey with the vine. I had no idea of the it was a totally different tree. The one that had been pruned was fruitful in every branch. The one that hadn't was lovely. It was leafy, but it had no apples. And the design of an apple tree is to produce apples, not to just look lovely and have leaves. So I was like, okay. There's a trust here. We need to trust him when he gets out the, pruning hooks and just clips bits of us because he wants us to be fruitful and remember there's a joy that comes with that there's real joy when we're fruitful I think a lot of our joylessness is because we we kind of we are we being productive are we making a difference are we changing the world we're designed to change the world and and there's a joy that breaks out when we when we realize we are fruitful we're good to taste good to be around so there's an allowing. And then there's an abiding, a word for resting or remaining. And there are many, many uh, ways we could go into this. As I said, that we could talk forever on this, this one passage. But I want to look at one idea that's helpful, I think, for abiding. 
is this idea of, of, of vines don't have the strength to just grow up on the, themselves. They need a trellis. They need some sort of support structure to hold them as they grow. So um, you'll get young oak trees and so on that need a, a support structure to protect, but after a while they just grow on their own. And there is an image of believers being oak trees, absolutely. But there's also an image of being vines for a reason. I think it's something about having this trellis, this support structure. And I would say that's having healthy rhythms in our lives. As we, if, if, if fruit comes from intimacy and that's the natural order of things, then we need to have times of intimacy in our lives with God and as, as individually and as community and nationally and internationally. We need to, to intentionally put those rocks in the jar and say, we're contending for intimacy, for places of intimacy. So it could be a daily rhythm. And I, I would advocate just maybe two or three times in the day, just as you would eat a physical meal two or three times in the day, just to have a little time where there's a reconnection with God. Might be on your own. If you're, if maybe if you're in a meeting all day, it could be as simple as, I know someone sets like a reminder on their phone or something like that. Just they go out, they take a little walk and just go, I'm here, I'm present, I'm back. Or it could be, depending on our age and stage of life and what we do in our work, it could be a longer time. But if we need two or three meals a day to feed us physically, we need that spiritually. We just do. We're vulnerable. We're dependent. We're dependent on oxygen, water and food. And we're dependent on God. He says, in fact, we can't even live alone on bread. We need the revelation word of God. Bread is often an image for the word of God, just as we need physical food, we need spiritual food. And I think in the West, we're starving and weak and anemic often because we're not banqueting and feasting on him. So we need to just put some times in our day that work with our rhythm and our age and stage that say I'm contending for intimacy. That is a top priority in my life. Intimacy with God and we do it however we like in the way we like because it's unique to each one of us. And then I think there's, there's community levels, ways of devoting. So we have this lovely, very um, quick rhythm every morning at breakfast with our family where we do a Bible time and we um, read something from the scripture and then processes it together with our, our children. And if sometimes if, if someone's dropped off early before school into our house, you know, they join in, we just have Bible time at that morning, eight o'clock, because we can, we're, our timings are generous because we a whole life is so close so we can have that time but I know other people who contend for it and they move to America and they now do it at six and their kids actually wanted it they gave them the choice do we do it in the evening they said no we love it starts our day so they're like great so they do family devotions at six but just that de- that way to let's feed spiritually as well as physically as community whoever we're living with and then maybe um yeah, and then we do a little up and an out prayer. We we go up, we worship God, we receive again a fresh and filling of the Holy Spirit. So we put our arms up and we put them down and then we put them out wide that we may be released to show the love of God today. We do that as family. And then we have um, weekly rhythms, weekly ways that we serve, weekly ways that we connect, weekly ways that we rest. You've heard us talk about um, sabbat, which is simply the Hebrew for cease, pause or stop. 
And we do that for 24 hours once a week. As much as we can, we contend for it in a way that's aligned and, and gracious. And it, I personally think it saved me spiritually, emotionally, mentally, possibly even my physical health, just having that in week in, week out. And we have to make some painful choices to have that, some costly choices. But I actually think the cost-benefit analysis is worth it. Worth it. So weekly rhythms, this is a really precious weekly rhythm. A, a kind of a gathering like this. The lot, it's like a wedding feast each week. This is the social space of about a wedding each week. There are other cultures around the world that get this because of the way their lives work. The West doesn't get this. We are so blessed to have a weekly rhythm of extended tribal family where we just look out for each other. Some people will know better than others, but it's so good for our mental, emotional, and even I would say physical health to just do a, just a bigger picture gathering. And then we have a monthly rhythm here at Hope. We have one church one day. We have a, a 24-hour cycle of people connecting with God, hosting slots of prayer and connection for our um, city and beyond in, in any style that works, as creative as we are. But that's, that's a really precious monthly rhythm to keep us in that up in and out as community. And then we have annual rhythms. Um, we used to think, firstly, we thought New Wine was a holiday. <laughs> and then we realized we don't really like camping and it rains all the time. So it's not a holiday. And then, so we called it a, spi- a spiritual like discipline. It's a discipline. Um, and a retreat. But now we call it, the root word of holiday is holy day. If we go for holidays, we often don't get what we're looking for. But if we go for holy days, we get a holiday too. And every single year... We've heard the voice of God for us. The voice has aligned us as family, said we're family on mission. The voice of God uh, during that time directed where we send our children to school. It was during that uh, a week one year that finances were released for our house. It's not about the place we go. It's the fact that we've said, even if we don't do anything else, we get this stake in the ground. We are going somewhere where nationally we connect with whatever God's doing in the nation and internationally and we hear from God. We just go with the question, what are you saying? And he always answers. It doesn't have to be that. But I, so I'd encourage everyone to, to contend for intimacy through putting rhythms. These rhythms are built into creation. They're not made up by me. They're built into the way our life works on a daily, weekly, monthly, yearly basis. And so if we really are serious about abiding, we need to have spaces in our lives where we can abide and connect. And then finally, this incredible promise. I don't know if you noticed, on both um, kind of paragraphs, the parable and then the unpacking of the parables, is extraordinary statement. When we're in that place of abiding, in that place of rest and connectedness and intimacy with him personally, with our communities, with the the broader church, where we're in that place of rhythm, he gives us a mandate, a blank sheet. We can ask for anything. Anything troubles us, anything concerns us in our own life, in our family life, in our national life, in our international, we can just ask for it. It is done for us. We're in that place of intimacy and connectedness. Let's go back and just read those phrases again. 
You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. That's just a beautiful invitation and promise. There's such freedom and liberation and generosity in there. And then the next one. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. I always, there's something about repetition in scripture. If in a close passage or something like that, you see it in the Proverbs all the time. If there's a repetition, there's an emphasis. He's saying something again for a reason. He really is giving us a blank slate and saying, I'm looking for partners. I'm looking for co-laborers. I'm looking for people who can reveal agape love on the earth. You can ask for anything you like, anything that troubles you, concerns you, anything you want to see changed, you want to see breakthrough in, you can ask me and it will be done for you. He can do anything. And I think what's lovely about us at Hope here is we've we've, um, had this incredible privilege of the Koreans um, see Britain as the mother church because the first uh, missionary, someone who first told the Koreans about Jesus in, I think, the 19th century was a British person, and the first martyr in their country was British. So they feel they owe us a a debt, a spiritual inheritance. So they've come back year after year, it's their fifth year, in prayer teams across the nation, Bristol, also the southeast, the Midlands, the north, and they've come and prayed and interceded, and we've joined in, and it's an incredible experience. But I think this year they break through into imparting a spirit of grace and supplication. Something shifted from praying with us and for us to actually imparting a capacity within us to just do this, to have this posture of faith that we can ask whatever we like and it's given to us. There's a lovely example from the last One Church One Day. Um, There was a murder in St Paul's tragically by a, a, a it was a 38 year old man I think a, sorry in the in the community I'm not sure it was actually in St Paul's but it was a 14 year old who was taken in, who was arrested and so that was a week or two before one church one day so we felt Silas particularly felt the theme for one church one day this time was praying for peace in our community so what we ne- we never pray into the problem we just pray into design design is peace in our communities but we were covering St. Paul's Carnival, which was going to happen a week or two later. And then um, afterwards, I got a, a text from Silas. So this is kind of immediate feedback from a, a prayer for peace because there's some some trouble and torment and pain in the light of some a big festival that can go one way or the other. Can I just thank you? This is from Silas. So much for your prayer support. Sorry, this is from one of the St. Paul's Carnival organisers texting Silas and he's, he's followed it on to us to thank us. Can I just say thank you so much for your prayer support. It certainly makes all the difference. I am so, so, a lot of O's, grateful. Over a 100,000 people with seven arrests, all of which are low end in seriousness, is incredible. Thank you, Jesus. In addition to this, the clean-up this year has vastly improved. Some streets look better than when we started. St Paul's Carnival started with the community activists, the police and the church working together, and that was its roots, um, and it's a winning combination, clearly. Thank you all from the bottom of my heart. 
So we pray and we change things. I think that's where the real work is. Having not really believed that. I've been saying to friends recently, I I don't think I really believe that's where the real work was. I think I was a fatalist in my theology, which is whatever Allah wills, essentially. Whatever God wills. But he's not looking for passive partners. He's looking for people who just stand as co-laborers, postured, in agreement. Again, he says it doesn't have to be a lot of words, but it's that posture of faith. You're good, you're kind. May this not happen under our watch. And then incredibly it didn't. And it was and it was a really positive experience. And then so finally, and you know, it's always going to come to this with me because I think by nature I'm an activist. Um, when I say acting, I don't mean performing, I mean taking action. There is, there is a moment in our life where we show up. God mediates love through bodies. We're not separate from our body. So if God tells me to run a toddler group every Friday at Little Stars, I can hear that till my dying day. But the love is in the turning up every Friday. The love when Aaron hears night shelter many years ago is that he, is there's a team and it's organized and there are beds here and people who don't have anywhere to sleep can lie on a mattress here. That's where the love is. Does that make sense? It's not in the ideas and I have a hundred ideas before breakfast. It's in, it's in the embodying them, incarnating them in the flesh, on the ground, supernatural and natural good works of faith. And there's a really interesting connection in scripture, which is listening is actually the same as obeying. And we often miss that. We think we can hear God's voice, and that's lovely. And then we live our lives. But to truly listen is to obey, is to actually do it, embody it, because the word becomes flesh in our lives. And if it's not becoming flesh, we're not actually listening. Give you a little example from my life, and then we'll, we'll finish. So six years ago, I felt God say to me, get up at six o'clock. I think you might have heard this, some of you, and eat three meals a day because my history of eating is it's disordered. It's not orderly. It's not peaceful and joyful. It's, it's, it's living out of um, a soiled branch through all sorts of things in my childhood. Needed to be cleaned and sold. I needed to be lifted up. And that was a trellis he was giving me get up at six, eat three meals a day. So the first two years, I was like, that's not God. I'm, I'm a charismatic. I believe in grace. You do what you like, basically. <laughs> I just don't even believe God would require anything of me. That is not God. And then, I was, but in it, I was slightly niggled, like the word didn't go away. And I would feast and fast. It's a nice way of putting it. Binge and purge is a more accurate way of putting it. <laughs> through, that, through those two years, kicking and screaming, and then finally, after about two years, I was like, maybe it could be God's voice and I could just try it. And so for another two years, I sort of dipped my toe in the idea of some sort of self-control and a life that's so peaceful that you, I could live like that. It isn't because carbohydrates basically are a form of um, just calming when you're stressed and anxiety. So just to kind of go, I don't need to go there. I can go to him and but still eat appropriately. Wow, who knew that could be a way of life he's inviting me to. And so for about two years, I was in agreement with the word, but it was not in flesh in my life. I'd say 99% of the day I felt I was messing up big time. But 1%, I'd go, I've got faith for this. I've got faith that this is who I really am. Actually, that isn't who I really am. That's a life of 
self-hatred and self-sabotage. But this is who I really am. Someone who is peaceful, who's joyful, who's appropriate. And so I'd celebrate with gritted teeth the 1% and just let God take the 99%. Just let him take it. He's so gracious and kind in our transformation. When um, children learn to walk, we all know, even at our worst parenting moments, we're excited when they take a step and we never tell them off when they stumble because we want them to walk. Anyway, then came to the last two years, which we're coming in, uh, to now, and I just started to feel breakthrough. I started to go through a whole day where I knew I was in alignment with that word. And then days, and then weeks, and then pressure points where I'd be hosting something. It was a Christmas day one year, which is a really big day for us. But I came to the end of the day, and I was like, I was aligned spiritually. I was connected with God, with people. I was able to enjoy. I was able to... Um, abstain when I needed to, engage when I needed to, and I came to the end of the day going, that is Christmas Day. That's why he came. And slowly but surely, my life is coming into alignment with that word, and I actually think he's filling that word now. I think he's saying, have three meals a day. I think he's talking about not just physical food, but spiritual food, just a banquet three times a day. Just enjoy him, feed on him. I don't know, I'm pushing into that. That's a really exciting invitation. But I feel like there are two ways to live. There's the Martha who loved Jesus, but was very busy working out for herself what was right and wrong and very angry with other people when they weren't playing ball. And then there was Mary, who quite radically at the time took the posture of a disciple to her rabbi, not because she would always sit there, but because she was waiting for the word, go. And then she was going to get up and go. So we operate out of intimacy. When we hear, if we embody it, then we're really listening. So I think that's the, the key to fruitfulness. And that's our vision, really, for everyone here at Hope. That's our vision for our younger generation coming up. And that's our vision for, for the church in this city and that's our vision for the church in this nation. And we think we're, we're in this time where he's, he's dealing with us because he just loves fruitfulness. So I'm going to pray now and Andrew will come up and steer us. Lord, I thank you that you're just so kind and good and we can relax into you. You are the good and perfect gardener. You know how to look after us well. You know how to lift those bits of us up which aren't clean and make us clean with a word. You know how to prune the bits because you believe for always for the more. You're just so kind. I thank you that you see us and you see fruit. That is, that's the blueprint. That's the vision when you see us. And so I break off now any lie or mindset is I'm not designed to bear fruit or we aren't or they aren't. You just break that in the name of Jesus. In the vine, we're fruitful and we have a very, very good gardener. And it's just this incredible verse in Isaiah where it prophesies the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. The good governance, the extension of his kingdom over the nations will be accomplished. He is able to make us fruitful. So I bless everyone here. In the name of Jesus. Amen.